so I've never jumped. I would love to go and I've been in a jump plane and what's really neat is that this one had, it was a twin turboprop. It was a sky van, I think it was. It had 18 people in the back. It would go between Northampton and Ellington. Take off, land. Another people take off, coming in and land. One time they came right back to Ellington from, they just went up, everybody jumps out, power to idle, cranked it over into a steep bank like this and just <laughs> dropped it out of the sky. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. It was just like this, this steep spiral right down, right onto the runway. It was, it was, it was great. He actually landed it in the grass. Turboprop put it down, yeah. right on the grass, mm. taxied over back to the jump zone. And Do it again. Did it again. It was so much fun. Uh, it was interesting for me watching the people just disappear out the back. <laughs> Usually so you, you try to keep your passengers <laughs> in the play. Typically. Yeah. <laughs> there are very few I've actually wanted to kick out, so it's good. <laughs> I haven't kicked anyone out at altitude yet. Um, about 20 years ago, my sister was uh, working in Alaska mm-hmm. as a maid at uh, Denali National Park, and I went, to, I went up to visit her, and... Uh, she took me to a bluegrass festival. Ooh. And the thing about Alaska is more people own planes than cars. Mm-hmm. Because they're so far away. Mm-hmm. And so we went to this bluegrass festival. We drove because it was close by. But the parking lot was full of planes. Oh, cool. The, the planes were just coming <laughs> in, landing in the parking lot, taxiing, going to the festival. And then they'd take off later on. Oh, that's was, so neat. It was the middle of summer, too. So it was daylight all the time mm-hmm. um, it's got to be beautiful to fly up there I've seen some pictures yeah Denali National Park it's just cool. absolutely amazing so. So, what was I gonna say? Oh, so you'll probably get a kick out of this my my dad's uncle yeah my grandmother's brother so it'll be my dad's uncle flew missions during World War II oh cool and <laughs> well I guess it's probably scary <laughs> as hell for him but it was well, he passed away oh. since, but this a few stories they told me was that when the Russians came through, this is going back, you know, mm-hmm. to Serbia, <laughs> back then Yugoslavia, and they just went to the airport and looked up whoever took any lesson at all, and they grabbed everyone, and all of a sudden, you, you're a pilot. <laughs> he had like two or three lessons, like he never finished his training or anything. So his training was like a week or two with this drunken Russian guy who was Carrying a bottle of vodka all, at all times and drinking at all times, and just <laughs> oh, yelling at him in Russian, which he barely spoke any. And that was his training. And the next thing you know, he's like chasing Germans on the retreat from Greece <laughs> and <it's> like shooting them. <laughs> it's like, it's like wow. I don't know how I survived. But he flew planes uh, afterwards, obviously. But, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> but that was his training. So I'm sure Get that's in cool. And go. Was, yeah. I guess they figured he wasn't going to last very long. Yeah. Attrition during World War II was pretty heavy for pilots. So they go. I guess I figured he's going to get shot down anyway. I don't know, but hey, you couldn't say no. So that's true. <laughs> it's like you're flying. That's like, true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind fire. Learn pretty quick. <laughs> yes, you don't have a choice. If you don't learn quick, you're not flying at all. So this is true. Natural selection. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. now, I mean, he passed away, hmm. but I would have so many more questions to ask him now that I wasn't thinking of back then. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could put him on the podcast. That's right. Yeah, could have. We could have some. Cool I bet stories. he had some yeah. stories. Uh, World War Two, Russia. Yeah. Well, it was Yugoslavia. The Russians came okay. through, and, and 
they're the ones that were training him. Like mm. he's like, I don't even know what the guy was saying. <laughs> he was drunk <laughs> and he was speaking only Russian. So good luck, <laughs> you figure it out. Um, what kind of weather have you dealt with? All of it. Yeah. Never flown through a thunderstorm. Yeah. Never will. <laughs> so uh, what, what happens with the, obviously commercial planes? They'll go because. You know, a choice for the most part, unless it's a snowstorm or mm-hmm. whatever. But to, with the private jets, um, do you cancel if there's bad weather? Is there is there more safety concerns with that? Or The irony is your charter jets get called when the airlines cancel. So the airlines cancel pretty frequently, even if the weather might be flyable. But it's a matter of the delays and the system um, and how rough a ride it's going to be and... Whether I think they're going to have to divert. I don't know all the mechanics in the airlines, how that actually pans out from a planning perspective. With us, we assess the weather, say, okay, is it safe to go? Do we have the minimums? Can we get around the storms? Do we have other options? You know, what's going on out there? So we assess the weather ourselves, and we decide if it's stay or go. Um, I have canceled flights, but most often we just delay them because if our passengers show up, we're on their schedule. If they're late, we wait for them. You know, sometimes a couple hours, sometimes they're early. Bye, welcome aboard. Off we go. So if we have to d- delay a flight, hey, maybe it'd be better if we left early. Maybe it'd be better if we left two hours later. You know, if they really have to get there, we'll let them know. Listen, um, things are probably going to get backed up. If you want to get there at this time, I recommend we leave two hours early to avoid the weather coming through. So, Or we might tell them, you know what, we can take you to a different airport. You know, can your limo driver pick you up there at another local airport that's maybe the weather's a little bit better? And close enough to drive, you know. We'll come here, you know, there, there are a lot of airports in the New York area here. So we'll just go to one that's a little less delayed, weather's a little better at. But we, we manage the weather. We just go around it. You know, thunderstorms and icing are the two things that concern us. And visibility, we just need the visibility to land and take off. We've got minimums with that. Beyond that, we go. And the smaller plane turbulence, bro, you feel more? <coughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. It's sort of like driving. All turbulence is it's like driving down a dirt road. You'll feel it more in a smaller car. Mm-hmm. So, how much uh, how much visibility do you need to to land? How far out do you need to see? It depends on the type of approach. Um, the lowest one that we have is eighteen hundred feet of visibility. Oh, so not a whole lot. Yeah, and we have to at least get a little more than a quarter. Mm. (laughs) So, I mean, I've I've landed sometimes and not been able to see the whole way down the runway. It's a long (laughs) runway, you know. But we've got to be able to, when we get to a certain point, we have to have certain parts of the runway in sight in order to continue. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the lights here, we can go a little bit farther, see the rest of the lights, we can land, uh, depending on the approach and the lighting at the airport and the runway length and all that kind of stuff, so... Um, we need we need 600 feet of visibility in order to take off. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, takeoff seems easier. Yeah. Well, landing is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. So is that also in school, is that the last thing you learn? Because it's the hardest, or do you go with that just to weed out potential <laughs> bad No, landing is a culmination of skills that you learn as you go. So it's really learning to fly as a real building block approach. First, can you fly the plane level at any altitude? Great. Now can you hold a certain altitude? 
can you control your airspeed? And that's just, you know, pitch of the plane, pitch up, pitch down a little bit, small changes in airspeed. Can you control your airspeed? Can you control the plane as you change configurations? And then there are some maneuvers that we do that resemble um, coming into land. Um, so we practice those at altitude and then come down and assess it. How well are they controlling the airplane? Coming down, are they nice and stable? Come in and land. And landing is just about looking out the window and getting that, that sight picture down the runway, use your peripheral vision, you know, close the throttles, just hold it in the air. Really, small planes, the goal when you land one of those is not to land the airplane, level off over the runway, hold it in the air, and let it land itself. You fly it to about six inches to a foot off the runway and just hold it there. Hold it there until it runs out of energy. Just gradually runs out, settles down. So landing, it's not the last thing we teach, but in terms of the flight maneuvers, it's the one that takes the most practice. And it's like we have to learn and teach other things that lead up to it. So, how can you remember how, what you? How did you feel first time flying? Because you have to take the theory classes, I'm sure. Then you have a simulator, and then you get in the plane with an instructor. Is that the? Is that a process? Um, my first flight, and when I go up with a student, even the very first flight, I'll let them fly it. You know, whether they've had any kind of ground school or not, you know, I show them a little bit the basics of the airplane. You know, up, down, left, right. This is your throttle. This is how it works. You know, the flight controls. This is what you're doing. When you move this, this is how that moves. This is how it works. You know, this is what you're looking for outside. Take them up first flight. Let them fly it. Won't let them land it. But I'll let them, depending on how well they're doing, come down towards the runway until I take it before landing. So the first time you, you landed the plane, how did that feel? Scary as hell. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. So it's interesting. Is in teaching somebody to land, we teach him how to come in, how to abort the landing. If it isn't good, this is how you basically take off again. You just do a go around. Right. Come in. This isn't right. All right. Full power. Keep control of it. Flaps up. You go. You know. Get your speed. You know. We teach him how to do a go around before we teach him how to land. So that way. If the landing isn't right, they know exactly what to do, and they'll be fine. As a, as a flight instructor, did you ever have somebody, like, panic and screw stuff up badly, or are most people okay with it? I've had some people, um, people do interesting things. Uh, <laughs> when you, <laughs> I, I, I had I'm one ready. person, uh, we were practicing stalls, um, and this plane was a Diamond 40. It had long wings and a stick. Big bubble canopy. Really nice airplane to fly. Uh-huh. Small, you know, just two of us. This is based on a glider design, actually. But when it stalled, unless you were perfectly straight, one wing would tend to drop off rather quickly. And I showed my student how to do it and did it myself. And we went up there and went. One wing dropped off. Instead of recovering, the student screamed and grabbed hold of my arm. I just kind of looked at my student like, I hope the person you had to do this. <laughs> no, they, they kept going. They, they, they got past that. And yeah, they got past it and learned to do it, learned to land. Did a really good job eventually, but the first one is kind of a shocker. <laughs> this is grabbing my arm is not going to help you. You need to recover this. I'll take it. Here you go. Let's try this again. Yeah. Okay, so the plane that we were in today has mm-hmm. two yokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do most planes have two yokes? Or? Most of them do. Some yeah. of the really older ones 
don't. Uh -huh. Some of the newer ones today have a side stick. Yes, they'll stick over here, but okay. they're, they're interconnected. But 90% um, of them have two. So some of the older ones um, will have one that you can fly on this side and uh, give it to the other person. You have to go way up and over, and then you give it to them. So only one of you has it at a time. Those are some planes from the 50s. So. It's like Bugs Bunny. You just pull yeah. it out and say, hold the controls. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> now, afterwards, I'd like to know the name of the person who screamed mommy and grabbed your arm, because if I ever see that pilot's name, I'm running out. <laughs> I don't think they went professional. But they <laughs> no, were flying for, for fun and, you know. It's okay to be scared. Just you learn. You get, that's part of flying too. Is learning how to deal with situations that you're uncomfortable with. Oh wow, this happened. Take a deep breath and figure it out. That, that's also a trained and learned right. response. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you, but I've had people do things. You, you know, can't be somebody who panics easily to mm -hmm. be a pilot. Yeah, bad idea for you to go into that. Mm -hmm. So, what what other interesting stories you have besides the guy screaming, "Mommy"? Um. Do you have any crazy uh, co-pilot stories or, like, anybody that's uh, come out of unusual situations that they shared with you? See, this way you're People safe. People have had unusual situations. We all dealt with unusual situations. Mm. Emergencies happen, you know, and you, you deal with them. Um, most of them, it, it takes a lot to take an airplane out of the sky. It really does. A lot of things can break. It's going to fly just fine. As long as you got the wings, as long as you got power handle it right you'll be okay even if you don't have power land it somewhere right you know they don't typically just fall out of the sky um so I mean, obviously there are extenuating circumstances as we still have crashes once in a while mm -hmm. but uh i have some really fun um i've had a lot of fun with some students um one of my students had this cottage way up in uh, new hampshire and we flew all the way up there and Went out over this lake that was nearby. Went down about 500 feet and just flew up the lake for a little while. And it was just absolutely awesome to do with there. It was, it was really great. So there's some really fun aspects to it as well. Um, now, I'm amazed at all the things that people have made that will fly. Because <laughs> I was watching a video recently about autogyros um, and obviously... Helicopters are kind of a weird idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the, like, somebody did a quadcopter where they put rotors on each corner, like a drone, and oh, yeah. their pilot seats in the middle. Is there any weird thing that you'd like to, to try to fly that you've seen? Because I imagine you've seen more, even more than me. There are some different airplanes out there. Um, I'm curious about autogyros. I'm really curious about them. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to go, even though i got to get over my, my height thing, but I'd really like to try hang gliding. You know, you just got a kite. You're strapped oh. to a kite. I'm yeah. Off you go. It looks awesome. I really want to try it. So. Do you ever try gliders? I've been in a glider once. It's really interesting. So you have a tow plane. It brought us up. We actually right. took yeah, off, off of a mountain. We were up in Elmira, New York. And the glider field is way up on the hill. So you take off, you're about you know, two feet off the grass, and all of a sudden, the earth just drops out from under you, <laughs> which is really cool. And you're watching the tow plane, and they let you go, and it's just the rush of the air. And it's really, you're like, wait, there's, there's no engine. There's no, okay. <laughs> and we flew for probably about ten minutes up and around, caught yeah. some thermals, circled around. 
I want to get my glider rating yeah. at some point. It's so much fun. I, I used to fly uh, remote control gliders with my dad. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He had a field next to his house. It was about 80 acres. And what we'd do is we'd have these radio control planes. They're about two meters, you know, oh. six feet. We had yeah. one that was eight feet. They're pretty big, yeah, but big, light. Yeah. Um, the way we would launch them is we'd have about... 100 feet of bungee cord. I was going to say, and then about band. 200 feet of kite string behind it, stake it in the ground, and we'd have a loop, like literally just like a little keychain loop um, with a little windsock on it, and there's a little hook on the bottom of the plane. You just pull it back, pull it back, and let it go, and whoosh, up it goes, and it gets high, and about as high as it's going to do, and you just dip it off, and the windsock brings the, the end of the string down, and you just fly it around. So I grew up flying gliders. Um, for remote control, and I've been in a full-scale one once, and it's not enough times. So I'm going to go again. I mean, that sounds like, like fun. You can actually get your glider rating, um, I think, a 14. It's either 14 or 16, you can have a glider's rating. You can get a glider rating before you get, uh, yeah. Yeah, before you're old enough to drive uh, fly a powered plane. How, uh, how many hours do you have to... What does it take? To get a glider rating? Yeah. I have to look into that a little bit more. Um, depends if you're going in like me. I think it's I want to say I want to say about ten hours and so many toes and so many landings. So it's really like there are minimums out there with the FAA posts, but it's really about proficiency. So whatever it takes, it takes above and beyond those. Like for a private pilot, you need forty hours of flight time minimum. National average is about sixty to seventy hours. Oh, for to really get used to it and actually do the mm-hmm. tasks. Yeah, and be good enough. There's a there's a practical test at the end of it. And so you've got a written test, and then you've got um, a flight test, which includes an oral exam, so a bunch of questions about the weather, about the airplane, about the rules, and then you go fly with an examiner. Mm-hmm. Do the maneuvers, do some takeoffs, landings. Can you navigate? Can you good judgment. That's the biggest thing. Flying skill is one thing. Judgment's another. That's what kills most people is a lack of judgment, not a lack of flying skill. Um, and they determine that on the practical test. So do you have the proficiency to A, pass a test? And as an instructor, even if I think you can pass a test, do I think that you're going to be safety-oriented and have the right, um, the right A, mindset, and B, follow the correct procedures and be disciplined about things like checklists hmm. or... You know, throw a pre-flight, and are you diligent as a pilot? So I kind of have to assess that beyond the beyond the check ride. That ties in with my next question because I was just thinking about this. Uh, every movie about flying, anything you see, whether it's Star Wars or World War II, you know, everybody's like, he's the best pilot there's ever been. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But then you watch the movie, and he's just like a, an idiot taking all sorts of insane risks. Mm-hmm. So is there a do you see people that are better pilots and is it a natural talent or is it just that judgment thing that you know are they more safety conscious is that what makes a good pilot? What the television and movie Hollywood media version of a really good pilot Pretty flashy. Yeah. Well, those very John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that die. Um, and to me, a really good pilot, you'll never really see it until you fly with them. And it comes into, A, humility. 
is a really big thing, but so is proficiency. Are they sharp at doing their job? Do they have a big picture? How well do you work together in the cockpit? How well do they understand what's going on? Um, how well do they prepare? So a really good pilot will not look like someone you'll find in Hollywood. In fact, um, there is a John Wayne clip where he's flying this airplane, he's the captain, and he says, we need to descend now, and his co-pilot objects and reaches over and smacks him. We're going down now. <laughs> that is how you don't fly an airplane. <laughs> it's exactly how you don't fly an airplane. You know, so, I mean, to me, it's, yeah, but you get this really dominant, I'm the one in charge, those are the people that, that, that bite it, you know. Well, I mean, airplane, the movie is completely accurate. Oh, 100%, 100%, yes, that, that autopilot actually inflicts just like that, you know, big smile and everything, you know. But, you know, for, for being a good pilot, it's how well do you work together as a team? You know, like a co-pilot who is not going to disagree with me and just say, oh, yes, sir, and do everything that I tell them to is useless. Yeah, you can do all that by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need a yes man over here. I need another set of eyes. You know, even if they have one-tenth of the experience, if they see something, say something. You know, you see something that doesn't look right to you or you have a concern about something. Well, your experience, I can tell you, okay, this is the situation. If you're brand new to this, what's working, what's not, thanks for bringing it to my attention. Or, oh, that's a really good point about this or that or the other. Oh, hey, there's another airplane coming at us. Awesome. Another set of eyes. See something. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's somebody that's going to give feedback, and a good pilot is going to elicit that from his crew members. Because part of being a good pilot is how do you work with your crew? You, you know, as, as a captain, you set the tone. For the communication in the cockpit. You have to open the gates and facilitate people being able to speak to you, speak their mind, work with you. And there are some pilots out there, well, my way or the highway, those are the guys that are dangerous because all they have is their mind. You know, a lot of uh, um, international um, airlines have had serious issues around that, um, particularly um, with very hierarchical societies, have had terrible safety records until uh-huh. they learn to really work together. Where a subordinate will speak up to the captain, and say, "Hey, captain, this, you know, we don't agree here." Uh-huh. And a lot of that stemmed out of an accident in Tenerife um, back in the seventies, where there was there three crew members on board on a seven forty seven, couldn't really see down the runway. It was fogged in. They pulled out and. There was confusion about whether or not they were cleared for takeoff, and the captain says, we're going. The other two objected, but he overruled them. And they hit another 747 that was still on the runway. Like 500 people died. Oh. And that was a real um, wake-up call for, oh, we need to pay attention to dynamics in the cockpit and communication, people being able to step up and speak. So... What makes a good pilot? That's kind of the, the long-winded version. And it depends on no, the type of flying you're doing, too. If you're up there by yourself, yeah. you know, you're flying by yourself, what makes it? Can you hold your headings? Can you hold your altitude? Can you hold your airspeed? Do you have the technical skill for the airplane? That's huge. Can you, you know? fly it steady? You fly it exactly. <laughs> Not do stunts. Exactly. Um, also, how well do you know the airplane systems? If something goes wrong, mm-hmm. are you going to know exactly what to do? You know, don't get complacent. You've always got to be, it's really easy to get complacent because most of the time, 
99% of the time, everything works just fine. And then it doesn't. But you got to be ready for those things and not, not get lulled into a false sense of security. So a good pilot always be vigilant, um, but also be aware of situations and always have a plan B. And if plan A doesn't go, isn't looking like it's going to go right, you know exactly what plan B is. And as soon as plan A isn't starting to look good, what's plan C in case plan B doesn't pan out? Right. So you're always thinking ahead, thinking around situations. It's, it's something like stacking the risk. It's risk management. You know, it's not, you can't say, well, how do we make it safer? Well, we eliminate all the risks. No, you manage them. Well, it's something like stacking a deck of cards in your favor. Even instructing, um, I, I look at flying with my students in terms of managing margins of error. How well can they do A that leads to B before I can have them do B or C or mm-hmm. D? It's like kind of a, a lin- well, not quite a linear progression, but, you know, it's like, okay, if somebody's going to land... Can they hold their pitch right? Can they at least maintain their airspeed? Are they looking outside? Are they, you know, do they know when to go around? Okay, great. So, did you ever have a student try to call AAA? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> now you had a, a rock star that, that took a leak in front of the plane. Did you hear from other people that are? I'm sure you know other people who do the same in your profession. Any interesting stories without naming names? I, I've heard before things really became legal that uh, someone got busted after they got off because of the uh, copious amounts of substance on the airplane and somebody tipped them off. Somebody tip, tipped off the authorities. and uh, Now, if, if <laughs> somebody were doing that... And the cops came yeah. out to the airplane. I wonder like, who tipped the them hell? off. <laughs> it, it could have been a huge cloud of smoke mm, as you're flying. It comes out, yeah. <laughs> well, here's a question, because um, I imagine you get drug tested every so often. Mm-hmm. Random. So if they were hotboxing on the plane, <laughs> I mean, that can affect your um, status? I guess a contact your job, job, yeah. Um, it really... I mean, it has to be a do lot. I research on this. It would have to be an awful lot. Yeah. I mean, contact highs, from what I understand, are really hard to show on a drug test. It would have to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Marijuana stays in your system for 30 days. Yeah. You know, so. But I haven't heard of anybody getting busted on a contact high. For me, if my friend's going to smoke, hey, go have fun. I'm going to sit outside, see you in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know. And now you don't have to worry. Willie no longer smokes. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't? Really? Yeah, he just quit to, uh, I think, edibles only, because he had some lung problems. Uh, well, that makes sense. Mm. I, you, you you made me nervous there when you said he didn't smoke anymore. I that was, was a big news the other day. Wow. I stopped watching that news. Ah, this was, like, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that billboard was. That's right. There was yeah. a plane with a... <laughs> I did have one passenger, and this was kind of an awkward situation. We are supposed to take two people. And one guy shows up, boss shows up. Well, yeah, we're still. He's like, is the other passenger here? All right, we haven't haven't seen the other passenger. Okay, we're leaving. Okay, you're the boss. So we go out to the plane, we fire up, and we see the little bit of a van to shuttle people out from the terminal up to the plane. Van comes around, 
stops, just waving. He's like, yeah, I think that's her. We're going. <laughs> oh! The other pilot and I looked at each other. I looked at him. He's like, okay. We taxi out. Ground control calls us. Hey, uh, they said you left a passenger back at the, at the gate. I'm like, yep. We know. <laughs> 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 and we, we, we left the passenger. And... Somebody took the boss comes up, comes up front and says, yeah, I, I, I told the other person to be here at this time. That was 15 minutes ago. They're not here. They need to learn. It's not the first time they've been late. Mm. I'm like, wow. Apparently it was the VP that got left behind. Oh. <laughs> it's the CEO on board, so yeah. be on time, be early. Okay. That's the lesson. <laughs> you're flying a jet, but your boss, be there before them. Yeah. He runs the show, so yep. you can't really complain about that. Yeah, one. so okay. left them behind. <laughs> so he, was no, actually, no. he was actually a pretty nice guy. He came up later. Like, I know that seemed like a really a jerk move, but this is a situation, and we kind of laughed yeah, about it. So. Yeah, no. so no other juicy stories of uh, anyone misbehaving? Uh, those Not necessarily are, with you and your plane, but then... Yeah, uh, you know, it's... You, you got to watch alcohol consumption sometimes. You know, people get get out of line. Uh, we can we can keep we can, we can land and kick them off if we have to. You know, I've had I've had people get irate and angry just like if you're waiting tables. So how do you deal with an angry passenger? Accommodate them best you can. Make sure that they're not a threat to you or the flight that they're not going to be as disruptive to other passengers or whatnot, or if they're the only one, are they going to sit down? They have to listen to you. Legally, they have to do what you say. That's right in the regulations. You must obey all instructions from crew members. Whether they do or not... Yeah, that's when there's that, that tip-off going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, you know, I've, I, I, I've I had one person... We dropped him off, waited. It was actually a group of people. And parked the airplane kind of between two terminals. Bus comes out, picks him up, takes him wherever he's going. They exit over here. But they came in over here, and they got back. And he's like, you moved the airplane. Where is the airplane? Because he went to the wrong terminal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they were late, Show, show up, you know, 45 minutes late. Like, oh, hi. He's like, you moved the airplane. He was like screaming in my face. I was like, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> the airplane's here. Uh, we didn't move it. Yes, you did. Okay. Well, it's here now. Would you like to get on board? And, and we can go. I mean, he was like screaming in my face, so we moved the airplane. We didn't move the airplane. <laughs> I just I have to laugh about that. And I'm like, uh, okay. Whatever you say. This is you. You charter the flight. You know, if you're not a safety issue, we'll just take it from here. And what's the next step? Is to get where you want to go. Would you like to get where you need to go? Yes, awesome. So, <clears throat> I joked about you have to deal with things sometimes. It's, yeah, it's customer service. That's yeah. that's the nature of it. And you're. You're dealing face-to-face with your passengers, and that's one of the big differences with the mm-hmm. airline. You know, is two pilots get up front and close the door. Maybe they'll say hi, and maybe make a couple of announcements. For us, it's 
direct interaction. Hi, how are you? My name is Eric. Shake hands. Eventually, if you fly the same people all the time, you really get to know each other, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, passenger would get on board. Hey, Eric, you know, how's the wife? How you doing? Hey, you have a good Thanksgiving? Awesome. Yes, Mr. So-and-so. How about you? You know, we got to know some of our passengers very, very well, um, especially the charter company I worked with. We had a very interpersonal relationship with the passengers, and that's an aspect I really like about this side of the industry. Can you accept tips? Yes. Well, I won't, but I could. I, I guess company policy says no, but in some companies you can. Hmm. Um, I never get tips here because it's company owns the airplane. Right, yeah. But charter, like people tip a taxi driver mm-hmm. or tip the limo driver. Some companies, yeah, you can. I used to get a pretty good collection of tips at the end of the year hmm. when I was flying charter. The irony is your smaller propeller planes get more tips than the jets. When I started flying a small jet, the tips just went... They're probably afraid the propellers are going to make it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, thank you for... But it's amazing, you know. You, you take somebody somewhere in a King Air, more often than I'll give you a hundred bucks at the end of the day, say, hey, thank you very much. Nice. See yeah, we, we flew... We flew... It was two guys, big guys in suits. You know, this was like... Very quiet, very nice three poo suits, and a big boxes and a locked duffel bag that was also very heavy. It was camera equipment. And we took them to Colorado. They didn't say a word through the whole flight. It's the two of them, all the bags in the back. They were there to take the bags. Big Cadillac comes up, bag it in. They rolled off three hundred dollars to each of us and said, "Hey." Thank you very much. Have a good day. We're like, well, I don't think he's. <laughs> Did they work? We have no rings? idea what uh, what was in the back of the plane, and we don't care. <laughs> Did they wear pinky rings? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I made a joke earlier about air marshals, um, but what if somebody had bodyguards and they were armed? What would the policy be? I mean, okay, yes, I know in this. Uh, in this company, you know, that's not probably going to happen. But um, if you flew for a charter or something, all guns have to be kept separate from the bullets. So the bullets have to be taken out and kept in a separate locked container, mm-hmm. and the gun have to be somewhere else as well. We, we fly hunters all the time. You know, pile a bunch of rifles in back. Great. Any ammunition? No. Make sure they're unloaded. Guns go in. We would have an ammo box to lock on it. So put the ammo in the box. Lock the box. Guns would be in the back. Lock box would be somewhere else. So well, we we'd fly people happens. with guns all the time. So I like yeah. can go through, you know, airline terminals. Like, no, oh hey, here, bunch of rifles. Great, you guys have a good time. Yeah, what's in the big cooler? Once we pick these people up in Canada, and they can't a whole head of a deer. <laughs> Please make sure it's not bleeding. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So that's interesting. So anything else that uh, we should wrap it up with? Or, like, what what would you... Would you recommend this to... uh, Oh, yeah. What's the job outlook for for people if they want to become a pilot? Now is the time. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago was an even better time. There are going to be hundreds of people retiring every year from the airlines is a giant bubble 
and starting now, it's coming especially over the next five, ten years. Mm -hmm. So the airlines are hiring a lot, which means a lot of people on the corporate side and the charter side are going to airlines. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a vacuum everywhere in the industry right now. Yeah, I um, just retired from the commercial. Oh, oh yeah, New York, LA route was his main and thing. Nice. Just retired last year. Yeah, nice retirement too. Good. Yeah, I think he flew to London and then so he had to fly back as a passenger because he had sixty. I think it was a cutoff. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the way back, he didn't fly. <laughs> I mean, he was he was a passenger. Now I got to ride back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's what I heard from him. That is a huge uh, shortage. The last job that I had um, is me, one other pilot, and about two months after I left, he left. He went to an airline. They couldn't replace us, and they had to sell the airplane. So they couldn't find pilots for it. Wow. Yeah. And so there's now is the time. The outlook's good. The airlines are starting to pay more, which everybody's starting to pay more, which is good. Um, charter is, with, with an airline, you get a schedule that can be worked around some. Fairly consistent pay, though I think it depends on your on your times in and out. For charter, sometimes you're paid by the flight, sometimes flight hour, sometimes you're paid by the day, sometimes you're paid straight salary. It depends. Um, some companies have a schedule that's you know eight days on, six days off, and you're just flying go, go, go for eight days, and you're home for six days. Some are two weeks on, some are two weeks off. Some are on call all the time. You know, like I'm on call almost all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I get two weeks vacation. If I need a specific day off, I can usually get it. But beyond that, we're on call, but we're not flying so much that, you know, it's a disruption to lifestyle. I think it depends on what somebody wants out of life for um, for their home style. Do they have wife and kids? You need to be home consistently. Right. So corporate is can be really good for that if you're with the right flight department, you know, or right owner or right company. Sometimes they don't fly very much or have a schedule that they go. Some people are very spastic. Oh, hey, let's go tomorrow to so-and-so. And that happens. So if you want a consistent home life, this is not the side of the industry to be in. But I think that there's a lot more ownership of the airplane and a lot more ownership and oversight of what you're doing versus the airlines, and I really like that. So different sides of the industry are... Um, I, would, I like this side of it, personally. This is where we you... We get to go somewhere. Where you'll stay? Yeah, a couple of years ago, I, I, we had a, a New Year's Eve or, or a New Year's week-long flight. We took a gentleman on vacation to Cancun, and we stayed there for a week <laughs> on the beach, Cancun. It was awesome. Wow. Occasionally, you get flights like that. You know, I ended up in St. Thomas for four days and brought a friend of mine down and... The other pilot brought a friend of theirs down. The four of us just hung out for four days, you know, in St. Thomas. It was oh. a wonderful trip. It was absolutely awesome. So you get these these little perks, you know. If 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 I am somewhere for a few days, and go hang out, you know, I've gotten to know Van Nuys, California, pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when you are somewhere and you're waiting for somebody, you got to be ready to go. But you can do whatever you want. Oh depending on, on the company. So we end up in some nice places sometimes. So it's it's fun. It's a, it's fun, and it's not... I, I don't think I could go back to a 9-to-5 job. It's one thing I like about this is it's very mission-focused. You do this flight from here to here, and then here to here. It's not 
you're not hitting the clock for whatever time it is. So you have some long days sometimes, but they go by quickly. So it's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, thank you, Captain Eric, <laughs> down at the, the plane and talking to us. And see, you you were questioning the time. We went hour and twenty. Wow! And it goes like that. So yeah. It's not unusual yeah. for us to go to two hours. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, but an hour is easy. You know? Yeah. So awesome. It's like a flight. There you go. Sometimes it goes quickly. Sometimes not. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks again. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Boris. Thank you. Yeah. Alex. Got it. This is fun. Turn this up.